spidey senses tingling. Mystic and pop filtered tones of your host, Slim, the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 81. Welcome to the Paper Cake Podcast, where we talk about the books we're reading, uh, some nias, <laughs> and we do a book club. Get your J-Guards ready for Mark Wade's Kingdom Come. Yeah. You are in for a treat. Uh, you are in the no Skype zone right now of comic podcasts. Uh, to my right, this evening, VP of Bad Boy, Dale underscore A on the Twitter. He's a father. He's addicted to alcohol. Welcome to the show. I'm not addicted to alcohol. I don't need it in my life. Maybe during the Christmas season. Maybe. It is uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Uh, we will help you kick the bucket, Dale, tonight. You mean kick the habit. Uh, I want to <laughs> kick you in the mouth, is what I want to do. <laughs> to Dale's left, he is sporting a cancer-riddled arm. Uh, he is as yet unpublished writer. By choice. One day, maybe he will make something happen. It could be anything. With his life. Jonesy <laughs> loves beer. Your mother's favorite Freemason. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, that's alleged. That's alleged. No, you pretty much spoiled. Uh, life spoilered last, last episode. <laughs> life spoilers. My, uh, yeah. Cabinet. Nobody would want to tell you that he's in a secret society more than Jonesy loves beer. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. I was going to say, what's alleged? The your mother's favorite Mason or your society membership? I'm both are alleged. I don't know. I've never met any mothers that listen to the show, so it's all suspect. My wife listened. She's a mother. He just got. He just blew my mind. My mind just imploded. Uh, we save the best, inarguably for last. Mm-hmm. He's training for a Ironman competition. He's looking swole right now, ripped, wearing his medium shirt. Uh, <laughs> With the Munchroom Kingdom denizens on it. Munchroom? Is that like slang? You are a actor, Mark Farrington. Welcome to the show that you're probably most excited about in history. Absolutely. Good to hear from you guys. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Hope you're feeling better, Mark. Much better. Thank you. Thank you. 
the 15 minutes of the last episode told me I was missed. <laughs> I don't know what 15 minutes. If only to be a patsy. I don't know what 15 minutes you're going to listen to. <laughs> the uh, the fallout from last week's Pollyanna episode is massive, historic. Probably one of the biggest shows we've ever done, if not the biggest. Mm-hmm. Lock and Key, Scalped, was talked about. Oh my about. God, Scalped! Jonesy Jonesy broke through and gave his historic opinion on Scalped, the, the book that almost destroyed this podcast ages ago. Mark, mm-hmm. your thoughts? You know my opinion, Mark. What was what was your opinion about my opinion? Uh, my opinion on your opinion was initially, I thought that you were. Can I use profanity? Of a PG thirteen word. Uh, I thought that you were, cause you're his kids, riding Jason Aronson because that book was so bad. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? Okay, we all have four. We're four different people, four different opinions. You liked it. Your exact quote was, "Bless you." I don't see how anyone could not like this book. I hated it. I hated it so much. What was uh, your top three reasons why you didn't like uh, Scalp, Mark? I couldn't remember. I thought it was kind of vulgar and gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous and vulgar. I thought that the art was crap. And I thought that the main character, just who he was, is evil and vile, at least in the first volume. It took me out of liking this book. It was an, kind of an arbitrary pickup, but I didn't like all of the slang, profanity, and kind of the racial taunts they were throwing around. I didn't need that. Mm. I got that it was the character. I got it was the setting. I just personally did not enjoy it. Jonesy, are you ready to apologize to Mark right now, live on the show? For? For being you and liking I, I Scalped. Mean, my whole life is an apology at this point, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so tonight we're we're bringing Mark back into the fold with a book that he has literally made physical sexual love to, which is Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Daily, nightly, and ever so rightly have I made love to this book. Uh, so that'll be our book club later in the show. My opinion will shock you to the core. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh now, what's happening in the world of Nia's VP of merch slash news slash bad boy slash Twitter, Dale underscore Wild cats. Remember that, uh, remember that book club there we did? Uh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, it made me want to take an ice skating trip up to Lake Flaccid <laughs> after reading that book. Uh Rumored to be coming back after Jim Lee does his stint of probably three to six issues on Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. He's bringing it back, Wildcat style, in the main DCU. Uh, you know, because that Grifter book just isn't doing it. Maybe it's, it's just doing, it it's doing sure. so hot that they need to bring back Wildcats to just get more hotness. They're just going to bring the tidal wave of all the other characters back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, look for that pooping up the shelves <laughs> in 2014. Gail Simone's 2014. back. Yeah. 2014. 2014. Wow. Gail After Simone. What's, what's happening with Gail Simone? Didn't she get She's canned? back. She's back. What? Um, I felt like I had to just bring it up because I talked about it a few episodes ago that she was off the book. She's back on the book. It was all a, a ploy, a negotiation a tactic. 
And alleged. Uh, she's back. Alleged. And the um, new writer of Batgirl is Gail Simone. Exactly. So you, you called her happy. sassy the last time we talked about Gail Simone. She's, you called her very sassy. She's sass. I would never want to be her in the target of her ire because she will devote like 25 minutes of straight Twitter time just to blast you constantly. Would you have uh, fired her via email? What route would you have fired her off of Batgirl? Yeah, I would T-shirt cannon. If I had the ability, I would have definitely appointed somebody else to fire her. One of your deputies? One of your yes. assistant editors? Exactly. His junior VP of firing, Gail Simone. <laughs> yep. Don't know who that is yet, but it'll be somebody. It, it could be you. Tune in to I episode have, 90. I haven't, got a, I haven't got a VP appointment yet. I'm nope. not going to help you out there. That's yeah. all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, speculator market. Let's hit that. I want um, to. Big issue. Big couple of issues came out yesterday in regards to Spider-Man. I heard of this guy. The, the Avenging Spider-Man possibly under-ordered. It's on eBay right now for $13 and up for That's this a, book. Really? That is a lot of money. Isn't that nutty? Because the, it was under-ordered. The sh- it was solicited to be uh, not... It sounded different than what it actually was, so it was under-ordered. It made it just sound like it was a flashback issue of old Doc Ock and Spider-Man battles. Turns out to be the new prelude to Superior Spider-Man. How much of the speculator market boom is created by way of people saying a book was under-ordered and saying that it will be hard to get? Like, how much is that just, like... It's like a circle. It's a circle J of speculation. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring that up because I was curious of that as well. I mean, you get the right plant on the right website, and that just that just fuels it even more so than it would have. You know, who knows how long ago? Mm-hmm. I like to think somebody sends an intern to Starbucks where Eric Larson is getting his coffee, and he just happens to be stirring a cup next to him and says, uh, "Oh, I heard uh, Spider Man." Uh, isn't isn't selling this month, and he goes on his Twitter and blasts the big two. I think that's how it gets generated. It's an algorithm with Eric Larson at the center spoke. It's a savage algorithm. A savage algorithm, yeah. I'll be here all week. Eric Larson. Uh, we need to move on right now. Thank you. To get into the comic talk. You know, we read a lot of books this week. We're all married with kids. Except for, except for me, Mark Farrington, uh, Playboy to the Stars. What's the Tiny. book you read this week? Uh, Medium says I'm going back to the archives. Last week's episode. Coincidentally, this was also in the archives. Amazing Spider-Man six seventeen and six twenty five. What? Both stories having to deal with the Rhino. This was my pi- paper kitty Pollyanna book from Dale, and. True confession, I'm a Spider-Man reader, have been, uh, read these in floppy, so it was kind of fun to go back and read it. Um, I don't even know how long it's been since these original issues came out. Nevertheless, 617 was really about the introduction of where the Rhino is now as a character. He's reformed, he's working in a casino, he's met the love of his life, trying to get his stuff together. 
Meanwhile, a mechanized new rhino is trying to come after our man Alexi to take him out so that he can take on the mantle. Meanwhile, Peter Parker is still working for the DB. He's a photographer. He is seemingly in perhaps a love triangle with Nora Winters. And then 625 is Alexi is confronted again by this mechanoid rhino. He trusts in Spider-Man who tells him, hey, don't go off of your reform path. Let it go. I'll take care of this. The old rhino follows Peter Parker's word. He lets it go. He runs and hides and is coward. Also, he can protect his life and his girl. Unfortunately, things don't go his way, and his girl dies with the rhino vowing revenge against his new rival and Spider-Man. The book was good. It was Both books were good. They were written by Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly's only written two comics I ever liked, so it was kind of weird to go back and read this and like it. One of the most fun things about this was this took place, I think, in 2010, but think about how much Spider-Man has gone through since. He's gone through Spider-Island. He's gone through Ends of the Earth. He's gone through Amazing Spider-Man 700, so where he's at now is such a long journey. It was fun to go back. I don't really like the Rhino as a character, but this made me care for him. This gave the guy depth. And reading these, I kind of sit back and go, why haven't I seen more Rhino? I would enjoy that. That issue was like Dale's Fear Agent. Yeah, yeah. for a long time, I just thought it was, I thought it was beautiful. 625 especially is uh, like Peter's just trying beyond hope to uh, rescue the old Rhino. Alec- What's his name? Alexei? Alexei? He's, he's trying his darndest to save him from himself and giving in to his anger and and being the ba rhino but uh yeah i mean it's it was one of the i don't it wasn't one of the first times but it was just one of the times where it's like i mean spider-man is a is a hard, sometimes can be a hard-hitting book and it's not always going to end on a on a happy peter parkery kind of note like even uh you know the Parker luck and down on his luck kind of vibe. It was like worse than that, or, or I, I got the feeling like it's like, geez, this book is really depressing at times. And that was like the perfect um, antithesis to what you know a fun Spider-Man book could be. Mm. What's interesting is when I read these originally when they first came out, six seventeen made me mad because it just seemed like it was a slow part of a story. It was just a done in one. They didn't follow up with it next month. I was tipped off and kind of thought it was a waste of an issue. But now when I read these issues together as part of a whole, when I'm just reading them to reread them, it was a lot better the second time around. It was. It's good. Do you know what else uh, Joe Kelly did that was great? Um, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way? No. Action Comics 775? No. <laughs> well, that too then, obviously. Deadpool number one with Ed McGinnis. <clears throat> Nobody cares about Deadpool. Mm, it's good, guys. It's in yeah, the comicsology.com. Check it out. Disclaimer, I work for comicsology. Uh, Jonesy, let's wake him up from his dead coma that he is in. He's literally upside down on the couch near death. Babe. You know, they can see that that's not true, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Drink when Jonesy says babe. Uh, or inflammatory. What is a thing that you read this week when you are not in your Freemason top secret meetings? Mara, issue oh. number one, by a good friend of the show, Brian Wood. Mara takes place in a <laughs> futuristic Earth 
What, are you laughing at the way I say Mara? Mara. Mara. <laughs> Mowage. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so Mara is this volleyball sensation in a future where uh, society has moved past war, strife, and is distracted by these global corporations which have set up uh, international sports leagues. And this girl Mara from a young age was like a savant, a superstar, and tested in the mixed martial arts, but she like tested off the charts in volleyball. So she's part of this world famous <laughs> volleyball league of which she's a millionaire because of endorsements. And um, through the course of the book, she starts to have a change in her physicality, or does she? Terrible description of the book, but it's Brian Wood of Northlanders fame does an excellent job weaving this story, and the cliffhanger really draws you into the next or issue two rather. So I would go ahead and pick up Mara. It's safe. It's good. It's a home run. I went ahead and picked that up. I didn't read it yet, though. I have to admit, though, my uh, my little whim wham just slammed shut to hear you <laughs> talk about a book that. I just completely didn't expect you to talk about. <laughs> wham wham. I'm so proud of you. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I have been told that I'm a slave to the titles I read every month, and I don't go outside that. Fine. Right. It took 81 episodes to troll you into reading something new. We finally did it. Success, everybody. Are you and Dale really in the same room? You're just going to walk into the other screen and hug each other and just say we did it. Paper cakes. Does anybody else want to talk about your use of the word slave during the post? <laughs> oh, really? For real? <laughs> I just didn't. Thought there were more apt analogies we could have gone with. This was just. This was actually just a long troll. Paper keg is over now. Yeah. <laughs> all set up just to get you, you guys orchestrated a podcast with 81 episodes just to get me to read something else other than Invincible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally. It's worth it. I liked. It's worth I, I liked minute. the Mara. I've been waiting for this one ever since that Brian Wood character was teasing it with his fancy designs and Ming Doyle art, medium shirts, medium shirts. Uh, it was good. Yeah, I'm excited. Ending was ending was weird. I, I don't know why it was weird. To, I mean, it was a good cliffhanger, but the way it was presented was different to me. Very different, and with I did not expect that to be the angle he was going with for this book. I didn't actually expect it from all his his pimping to just be volleyball. I thought it was some kind of futuristic sport that he made up for the book. I thought it was going to be like roller derby that's, plus frisbee. That's what I thought it was going to be too based on the solicits. Yeah. Um I do I do wonder if it was a brilliant move to put it out this week because it's like what Mara and Amazing Spider-Man. That's the only two books really that came out. I, those are spoilers, the only two books I read. <laughs> See? So, by default, Jonesy had to read it because he needed, he poops more than he reads, so. <laughs> I have a newborn, friends. Uh, drink, Jonesy. Everybody drink. Uh, let's go. Why are you making such inflammatory comments? It's actually the word, if you wanted to drink a lot, last episode was vitriolic. I don't think it was inflammatory. No, we said inflammatory like seven times last episode. Did we? I thought it was vitriolic. Yeah, that's why I make it a. That's why I made it a drinking game. Um. Anyhow, Dale underscore A, you've been setting the Twitter aflame. You know, you've been talking to creators. You you're like a creator liaison to the to the show. Can you confirm that? 
Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, I got a little giddy right before the show. I got a new follower, but then it turns out it was just a, a writer who follows 15,000 other people, too. Oh, so. no. It was not Mark Wade, for the record? For the record, no. I'm still working on him. We'll find I out. Will, yes. Yeah, you're, I may you're just slowly p- working to get in his Twitter pants so that we can oh. get the, the, the fabled Dale underscore retweet from a, a creator. You wait till that. Uh, you wait till this episode posts. <laughs> what did you read this week? The Black Beetle number zero. Mark, I apologize. That was inappropriate. Dale, uh, <laughs> could you not use that terminology, Dale? Slim, you're the only one who cares. <laughs> the Beetle number zero. He's just. I don't <laughs> see color. It's just the way <laughs> people tell you you're white, and you just have to believe them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Black Beetle number zero is a pulpy comic from uh, the artist that's quickly becoming the one I say every show, Francesco Francovia. That's his. This is his creator-owned comic. He's writing and illustrating this book, and it's about the Black Beetle, who's a superhero in in the early twentieth century, and uh, in this particular issue. Um, an old guy with a huge Egyptian art collection passes away. And in this art collection is the fabled hollow lizard statue. And apparently it was at a time um, uh, under Hitler's control and his, you know, super sci-fi, um, you know, regime. His his elite squad called the uh, Werewolf Corp. And... They are uh, rooting through this museum to get the hollow lizard back. And uh, the Black Beetle's there to uh, kick some A mm. and not let it happen. Very, very pulpy feel. Like, I got a, you know, probably the oldest book we've read on this show, other than maybe Contract with God, was I th- maybe Commandy. And I got, uh. a com- I got a very Commandy vibe from it, like... A lot was uh, set up through dialogue, like even just uh, characters thinking to themselves, like, oh, I wonder why they're busting through the door right now. Like, quick stuff like that, that it gave it like an old time vibe. And I, th- but I think it was done on purpose. I think it was a, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. I mean, the guy, I'm just totally in love with his art. And it's good to see him on a book again that that's his own and I'm going to support. But it's really good. I recommend checking it out. I think. Number one comes out after the new year. I don't know if it comes out in January though. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. I, I recommend it. It's very you know, like I said, pulpy. I like his and I like his colors and his artwork and stuff like that. And it, he uses a gun. It's he doesn't seem Spoiler. to do anything really but use a gun. But that fits in with the pulpy heroes of the time. Is it you know, possible? Masked. Is it possible to describe a dark horse book without also mentioning Hitler at some point in its description? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he he's, plays a big role in a lot of their books. Yeah, like the Mignola verse is, is like the Hitler verse. <laughs> it's like uh, I was watching, I remember watching Mystery Science Theater back in the day, and they, they called the History Channel the All Hitler Channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, Theater's I, war. I do want to say that I'm very proud that none of us, now that I'm going to talk about my book, have talked about Amazing Spider Man 700. We, I, you know, I'm sure every podcast on the planet is probably going to talk about it. I feel oh, like that's a book now. club book in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Eight bucks. Tell you what. Mm-hmm. Worth every penny. Uh, let's see. 
I want to talk about a book by Jay Bribbs, Jason Brubaker. Came out this week digitally. A book called Remind Volume Tier. You know, it's got a little anthropomorphic mark. So don't don't doze off while I describe this book to you right now. Like Usagi? It's like I a, like it's Usagi. Like, it's like Usagi, but picture a cat that has the brain of a giant lizard man. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> so this is volume two of um, a book that was funded on Kickstarter. Set the, the, the Kickstarters on fire. He got 100K to finish the book and print it and all that good stuff. So people that backed it um, a certain level got a digital download for free, which is actually pretty amazing. So if you think about trying the book, the whole month of January, Volume 1 is free, Mark. Volume 1, free. It's like 80 80 pages. Where can I download this free book again? Uh, Comixology.com. It's a site that distributes digital comics. It's pretty kosher in my book. It's It's pretty nice. So Volume 2 is where the cat discovers that his fiance's father has stolen his body, his meaty Schwarzenegger lizard body, and now he's fighting him to get back, get it back and take over what's rightfully his in this underwater world. And the for me, the story, I don't mean this as a negative, but the story is almost secondary to the gorgeous art that's in the book. Like, I thought volume one was really good. And then, like, the literally the first two or three pages, they're widescreen, are just so gorgeous that they like blew me away. I don't understand like if what the time difference was from when he started volume one to where he was at artistically with volume two, but it's like amazing, amazingly better. I didn't even think it was possible. Really? Yeah. Wow. There were some some pages at the end of volume one where there were just kind of like these gorgeous. It almost looked like concept art where uh, Vittles was swimming underwater were some of my favorite ones, and there's a ton of those gorgeous pages in Volume 2, so I recommend mm. it. The, the cool thing about um, the ending, too, he had a, like a wrap-up at the end of Volume 1 where they showed him younger drawing at like a drawing table, and he did a little outro. And then this one, um, he did the same thing with him kind of in the same drawing position, but now older. And then he talked about the process of getting it done and and finishing it and spoiler alert he thanked certain kickstarter backers and it printed their name in the back and there's a certain dale andrews mentioned in the back no way get out of here i'm telling you right now i saw it on my ipad mini on the train i saw it god i have to uh i wanted i was actually going to wait till the hardcover but i have to read this digitally now get it uh cmx hd it's right there for me i just i just gotta get out there it's where it's at where the money's at I got to go to the uh, on another business lunch, eat a whole slab of ribs, clear my <laughs> afternoon, sit on the john, clear your bowels, really, and yeah, I'm just going to let it flow through. Um, remind, I can't recommend enough. I mean, volume one is free; just give it a try, and I think you'll want to get volume two. So, yeah, if, and also while it's free, uh, Paper Keg episode forty nine. Coincidentally, we covered Remind Volume One, so listen to that as well that episode was magic can i tell you something magic yeah, only the good hosts were on that episode <laughs> that's right you said when it. are you guys gonna make this a trio i wasn't on it either mark i was actually <laughs> trolling myself <laughs> oh. you really don't pay attention to this show do you 
You know what? We are so out of your scope. He's of training for an Ironman competition. Look at him. He's a beast him, right now. Man's got a point. He could Does break he you in the half. Iron Man theme song when you left from the mid nineties. No, but like I played Wildcats Zeus over next there. Nice. <laughs> Zeus Junior. Lightning round, two sentences or less. We'll start it off with Zeus Junior. <laughs> what did you read this week? Two sentences or less. Let's talk about it. I read. I read Nestor and Max from Nintendo Power issue 285, the final issue. Nestor, now 24 years older, finishes reading the last issue of Nintendo Power to his son. Never has a two-page comic and the words 100% completion moved me so freaking much. Never heard of it. Arrow. Digital exclusive issue one. If you are a fan of the TV show Arrow, do not read this book. Why didn't I learn my GD lesson with Smallville Season 11? Captain America number two. If you weren't sure about the book after reading issue one, I really recommend giving issue two a try. I think you'll get a kick out of what's, what Remendo is doing with this book. Period. Hashtag Remendo. Love you. Tomorrow, Jones. A creator-owned addition to a digital comics platform that is about a young girl struggling to grow up in a superhero family. I was entertained. Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex mm-hmm. Ross. Mark is holding up his signed omnibus, absolute, absolute whatever the hell you want to call a big book that's hard. I love this book. It's um, big and it's black and it's in my face right now. <laughs> no wonder he loves it. Weren't you colorblind like 10 minutes ago? I, uh, I could tell it's so black I can just... <laughs> it just it's, it's just there. So this is like one of the biggest comic books of all time all times fully painted this this book this this was right after marvels right so i guess it didn't really create the alex ross phenomenon but it helped catapult him into the stratosphere which was that safe to say mark can you confirm that that is correct marvels was like 93 94 and this was 95 96 I, the only time i ever read this technically was in wizard magazine where they did the breakdowns of all the panels and the secret people painted into the corners and the inside jokes. That was actually it. It's the only time I've ever read it. Can we uh, get Can we get a synopsis, though, before we get all nuts? Breaking format here. Uh, I was going to lead into that, but if you just want to jump all over me, that's fine. We can. Uh, who wants to give a synopsis? I know this is Mark's bread and butter. But well, uh, Matthew, I offered the synopsis to Mark earlier in a tweet addressed to him, to which he never responded. I'm going through my timeline now. Let's see if I got it. In the meanwhile, yeah. as the synopsis guy, that's your title. What's I, Kingdom Come I about? Would, you love it so much. Would you like to take the synopsis since you're so passionate about it? I don't think I can do it without Let's gushing. Cancel. cancel the show. Right. I'm shutting that off. I'm hitting <laughs> stop all on down. this G-damn thing. All right. So regardless of your trolling. <laughs> There's no tweet. <laughs> Kingdom Come is the seminal Mark Wade. 
Elseworlds, safe to say, tale of the future of the DCU. Um, and it's told from the point of view of a preacher that has is allied himself with the Spectre. The Spectre wants to pass judgment on the next generation of superheroes called metahumans in this side universe. But he has lost a portion of himself, and he wants the fresh eyes of this preacher to help him pass judgment. So they go on a Scrooge-like trip where they spiritually police the world, and they, they're privy to all these private moments and all these factors leading up to the events of this book. And what the meat of the story is essentially Superman's return uh, from self-seclusion and his um, his desire to clean up the mess that he feels he created. When Superman left the world, he said... <laughs> Jonesy, when please. Super- <laughs> I just noticed. When, this is a serious when, book. Why are we laughing? I'm sorry. Look at the computer in front of you, Mark. So, Superman returns to the world to confront uh, a new generation of heroes led by someone called Mezagog. And basically the new generation believes in murder and destruction and justice by any means. And Superman returns to become a guiding light to the younger generation. And it the four issues are basically how Superman being back doesn't exactly have the effect he hopes. Kingdom Come. His name was Me- <laughs> Magog. I think Mezagog. Magog. Magog. Mezagog. Magog. I think it was Magog. Magog. His I name forgot. was uh, Mezagog Aronson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got one name wrong in eighty-one episodes. <laughs> yeah, w- so yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> so I am really interested to hear Slim's. Opinion, controversial opinion of this book. Um, it was actually just a ruse to get people to listen to hear my opinion. I have nothing controversial to say about it other than I really liked it. So I, I trolled you, essentially, Jonesy, and I trolled yeah. everyone that's listening still for Big suckering you shock. and listening this long. But we'll get you trolled me because I expected you to open your floodgates of hate like none other. What would what would be a reason for me to hate it? I thought Mark Wade. You know, I've talked to him several times on another podcast that uh, that that I that I'm on. So we're friendly. We're dear. Ladies we're and dear that friends. Smell that's coming to the computer is a huge end sack. In I, got, your face. I I love the one way promotional relationship that our two podcasts have with each other. <laughs> Promote <laughs> the other one at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, the reason I liked this is because uh, Mark Wade just gets Superman. You know, I he, no one should ever write Superman other than Mark Wade. Get that Grant here, here. Morrison turd out of here. Flush him. Flush him down the the Action Comics toilet, and get him out of here. But he gets, you know, Superman really effed up in this book a lot. Guy's a big, I mean, his first big big mistake was having that goofy ponytail. What is he thinking? Absolutely. Honestly. Did this come out where he was, he had long hair when he came back from the dead and that's why they decided to give him a ponytail, Mark Farrington? No, it did not. Well, and wearing wearing overalls without a shirt? Come on, that's disgusting. Why was he even wearing clothes? If I was Superman, I'd be buck naked all the time. Right? I agree with Jonesy's synopsis about the book, and I'm responding to your tweet in the fireside. But this book, 
I think could be summed up in like two panels that were in the beginning of the first chapter. Wonder Woman comes to Superman and is begging him to come out of retirement. He's a lonely farmer. He's isolated. He doesn't want to deal with humanity anymore. She goes, he, referring to Magog, is out of control. We need your help. He says, I tried to warn them years ago. She replies, and they didn't listen. Stop punishing them for it. That explains Superman's quest to a T. The new generation of quote-unquote heroes is as deadly, reckless, impulsive, and has as little regard for life as the villains that they fight. They're fighting in the street, not caring about any civilians that could get in the way or getting the job right. This was Mark Wade's commentary to the big, bad anti-heroes of the mid-90s and showing them, hey, this is why people like Superman matter. I love this book. This book, to me, stands the hype. All the jokes I make about Mark Wade being your favorite writer's favorite writer, he proves it in this book. How about, um, though I think my one thing, like, is my, maybe the, the Mark Wade Superman or anyone Superman wouldn't quit and give up like that. Maybe if I had one negative about the story, maybe that I felt that Superman shouldn't be giving up at any point. I see what you're saying. The only reason that I'd be... I was okay with it here is because he lost his tethers to humanity. Lois was killed. His parents had died, his earth parents. And the people that he is sworn to protect, the people that have his trust in him, they didn't want him anymore. They rejected his ways and embraced Magogs. So that's why I thought it rang perfectly when Wonder Woman said, stop punishing them for their mistake. You are right. We know. We get it. Now go help them. Can we talk about how great uh, Wonder Woman's side thigh is in that little outfit she had on? How there's like no sides to her pantaloons or whatever, like loincloth she had on? Good heavens. There's no sides of pants in the future. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> Not for Amazons, at least. I, I the, the art in this book, I think it still holds up. There was a point where I would look back on these books and Alex Ross's stuff and like recently where I kind of wondered why it was so popular. Like I, th I liked it when I was younger and then looking back now, I was like, what an era that kind of blew up and then stopped. Like, I don't know why I felt that, but looking back now, I, I, I for some reason I appreciate it again, but uh, there's just so many iconic pictures in this book, like my, Captain Marvel's uh, splash page at the end of three, um, Superman at the end of one. I just remember yeah. Superman at the beginning of one when he's on the farm, like, Batman at the end in the middle of four when him and his forces come down for the fight. It was ah, this book was so good. I think I have uh, I think reading Kingdom Come this time around I had like a way bigger appreciation for the book and for specifically for Alex Ross's art like I just I don't know this this thing actually Alex Ross deserves like absolute additions for all his work anyway because to shrink this stuff down to a comic page, like I could get lost in each panel because there's a whole lot going on in those panels that um, if I if I stared at it for for you know longer than what I was looking at just to read, I would just pick up more and more. And he just put a ton of work into the book for to tell the story, like all the background images of uh, people and and effects and stuff. It was just gorgeous. There's one where he like knocks out the Americommando callback. Um and it was just it was just an awesome shot where he like B slaps the Americommando and 
Like, all that's there is like a blur of the American flag, like in front of him. I know it was just a really cool shot. And, uh, but the book itself is just absolutely beautiful. I think, uh, I think this might be an attempt to, I would get this as the first absolute edition. I just love, I read it a few years ago and it just didn't have the, the impact that it had for me this time. Beautiful, gorgeous book. And I like the way that there was this huge turning point with the people I don't know, it it just had an impact. Like, the people were sick and tired of, you know, Joker. That's the specific uh, instance, but Magog kills Joker. And that's, like, the turning point where the American people are just like, finally, you know, we didn't know that's what we wanted for this long, but finally somebody's stepping up and took care of business. And, you know, basically he... It, I thought it was really cool, the Magog angle, because he was, like, so regretful that it was so easy for him to kill the Joker. But in the end, he was repentant. He hated the fact that he killed the Joker because he was idolized for all the wrong reasons. And then he had to, like, live up to the the hype of to be, like, that bad boy for the American people. And, and, and Superman turned, shunned himself away from the from the American public because of it. It was just the ramifications were set out beautifully. Like I could completely understand the reason why everything took place. Like there wasn't any holes like, well, maybe Superman, you know, didn't have to disappear or something like that. It was just like laid out perfectly. And I understood it all. McGaga was the original podcast bad boy. And yeah, I, exactly. I think about it. Exactly. Mark, you told me that he was the McGog character. And I thought about this while I was reading. You told me that he was a purposeful, um, Rob Liefeld character parody. Correct. He was originally intended to be kind of a uh, shot at Cable of all people. And you can kind of see it in his design, the right side being metallic, the winking one eye he has, in, or the glowing one eye he's got in some of the panels. Yeah, it was like really, like I thought, like why is this character exactly like Cable? He's even got the scars over his eye. I mean, like what else could this character have, you know, Except the computer that he talks to that transports him into different universes. They identified Cable as an example of that 90s excess. And at one point, he was the poster boy, in my mind, for 90s excess. That's actually Um, pretty incredible because I I don't want to pat my own back because I'm not usually that deep. But I kind of picked up on that. It was pretty amazing for me to pick up on something. I'm like... This represents like '90s excess and all the new heroes with their big guns, and I, I was like floored. I was like, I think I, I think I understand it, which usually I never do. I'm not that. That river doesn't run that deep for me. I think I didn't. The one other possible negative was I didn't like how Superman essentially forced Captain Marvel to make the ultimate decision at the end, where you know this guy was brainwashed and Superman is about to like decide the fate of the like the nuclear megaton bomb or whatever and then he's like hey captain marvel you actually need to make this decision about who dies and who lives so i'm gonna pretend like i'm gonna go do it but then you really have to do it i thought i thought it was a weird position to just throw him into immediately i didn't think that he threw him he backed him into that i considered that to be as a result of their fighting originally superman was going to go stop the bomb but cap grabbed him and started crying Shazam and letting him go so that the magic lightning would hurt him. And based off their fight, Superman was too weak to take out that bomb. It was either 
we can continue fighting and this will kill all of us or you can let me go and I will stop this bomb and save as many as I can. You need to decide whether you're going to let me go or if we're going to fight till the end. That was my interpretation. I think I I I thought that a little bit of the same thing slim. I was wondering like how he just had that thrust upon him like the the guy just woke up from being brainwashed like that instant and he's like, "Oh, God, he's waking up like it's almost like being hustled, waking, woken out of your bed because it's an emergency. Like he's mm-hmm. just waking up and he's like, "Whoa, what? Wait a minute. Give l- let me get my bearings." Um, I didn't. The only thing that I understood a little bit more this time, but last time I read Kingdom Come, um, and I was going to look to Mark for this, but I just wasn't aware that Captain Marvel was that powerful to where he could hand Superman his A like that. I didn't think anybody could. Is that? Was that for this book, or was that like an actual... No, that's kind of fact-based, only because Captain Marvel is magic-based, so that's got going for him. Superman was older, but there are two characters who could fight to a standstill. Superman would win right now, regular DC, but mm-hmm. it would be a lot better of a fight than people would think. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, I remember seeing the animated short, like I think it was Superman versus Black Adam or something like that. Yep, where they could they really could go blow for blow it was pretty. Mm. It was pretty. I was pretty good animated short too. There is so many points about this book that I would love to try to jam in. Like there are panels within the art that are telling little stories. Like when Superman approaches Batman for help and he's walking on water, I thought that was a great little nod. I love that Bruce's antagonistic relationship towards Clark now that he's back. It's okay now. You feel like picking up the fight. Well, what do you think I've been doing for the last 10 years? Get out of my cave. And so the end when Superman comes begging Bruce, I need your help. I don't have time for your attitude. Get off your butt and help me. I, I love the, their dynamic on their relationship. Two two things uh, that really surprised me about uh, my reread, and I have read this several times, was the first issue no matter how much I rant and rail and say that I don't like Superman, the first issue always makes me smile and think about, like, Superman's not so bad. Like, every time like every time I read the end of the first issue where um, you only see the glimpse of Superman saving people, like, the John Williams score just starts to play in my head, like, unbidden. It just starts, you know, bump, 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 like, it just starts, like, when he makes his appearance in that splash page it's just it, it's so good and uh, like uh, to slim's point drink um mark wade just gets what makes people like superman and gives that to you and he, he doesn't beat around the bush and he like paints the reader into this corner like where they can't help but sympathize with all everyone in this book like yeah superman's got to make these tough decisions but are they his decisions to make like he's kind of going like dictator like one one ruler to rule them all kind of like he's making those decisions and it's and it and when uh when the un like chimes in there's like oh finally uh, you know you're back to grace us with your presence like the poor un is trying to run the country and run the world and they're i mean they're just pawns to the to the superhumans it's it's like what power do they really have when Superman comes in and starts making these decisions and who's you know whether you agree with Superman's decisions or not 
they're going to be executed upon if Superman wants them to be. Or... Yeah, there is no telling them. It's like I feel like this book is like the Earth is playing on the stairs, and Superman is the frustrated dad who has told them time and time again, "Don't play on the stairs." And the Earth slips and falls, and he has to come over and be like, "I told you, you know what? That's it. I'm putting up a gate." You're staying upstairs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and that's like Superman's whole role in this book. And then, uh, and then, like you know, you, he, as like the father figure, you hear the, the, your kid screaming and pouting upstairs, and then you start to feel guilty. Like, he, yeah, t- he went places that he. I mean, I, I he had to go, but it also like, did he have to go there? Like it was, it was right. just really well done the way he made Mark Wade made me feel reading this book. It's a, it, you. You really do sympathize with Superman's point of view because you're like, like you put if you put yourself in his shoes, he has the power to do whatever he wants, and he's been raised to do the right thing. So he like he can't. He's not the type of guy that can let an accident happen if he can save it, but mm-hmm. he divorces himself from that because right. he listens to the will of the people. Well, if this is kind of the person they want, I can never be this guy. Do what you got to do. Exactly. I, I'm out. And then, but then you pull me back in, and then right. you're mad about me, for, right? So for doing what's necessary. He's, he's got to make the tough decisions, but they got to be made. You know, these people are going to be about it or, or complain about it, but I mean, they're forcing his hand either way. He's damned if he do does, and damned if he doesn't. But at the same time, too, like I agree with your guys' role in Superman's or your guys' way of explaining Superman's role in this. But I love throughout the course of the story, he's slowly losing confidence that his way is the right way. So much so to the point where his second-in-command, Wonder Woman, is outwardly questioning his authority and his orders, even when it was time to go to war. And I love a confident Superman, but I also love a Superman that has to look back and kind of check himself and go, am I right? Right, and I thought that was great because... I mean, he at first he he was like the father, you know, who who snatched up the kid for playing on the stairs. But then, uh, you know, because he he made those impulsive decisions because he needed to start cleaning things up immediately. But you know, you start like you know uh, building one decision on another, and it's like snowball effect into this thing where you just built this this machine that. It's, it's feeding itself, and it just turns into something you didn't expect or you didn't want it to go there, you know, after you thought about it, but it's already in a, in motion or something. Right. Uh, Mark, what were the credits pages like on the print editions and the your Obsol Omnis? Were they, because in the digital version, they're, they're like a weird addendum. It's like they're just the DC logo and then their names. What were the what's the credit pages like in this book? In the credit pages for the absolute, they're kind of larger than life. They still have them in there, but they're kind of at the beginning. And so you flip through the end and the beginning of each books. It's just the cover with chapter one, strange visitor, chapter two, chapter three. Hmm. So the credits are. I think of it like a big action type movie. It looks gorgeous in print, by the way. It's so beautiful. It looks this super glossy. I can see like my own it reflection is. off of those pages. It's high gloss stock. This is a book I have in floppy, trade, absolute, digital, everything I can get it. my hands on. I just touched it. 
Oh my God, Jonesy, Please tell me. <laughs> uh, Can you feel the power reverberating through my hand and then through the internet to you? I don't know what word you just said, but I'm gonna look up reverberating. 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 Could you feel the mesagogue jump off the pages? <laughs> when you found... touching it with your dead hand, it's got life <laughs> I now. Did. It's back. <laughs> this. What's funny is I was going back through this book. I found that there are little quotes that I would say or that Superman would say that I have said to people not even knowing they were Superman. Like there's a panel where he's Turn talking to the villains. He's trying to reform them and he tells them in this world there is right and there is wrong. For the most part that distinction is not hard to make. That's Superman. That's mm-hmm. his thoughts on truth and justice. Um, whether it's Fantastic Four, Flash, the Justice League, Mark Wade can get the voice of any character, Daredevil. He will tell you why it's cool and he will show you why it's cool off the bat. And the little things Alex Ross would do with the art, like when Bruce is in a meeting with Luthor and his society of villains, and he just gives this sly smirk, and everybody on Bruce's side of the table knows that's the signal, go. Just Mm -hmm. beautiful, subtle art that is incredible. Anybody think um, Robin looked like Michael Keaton? Oh, yeah. A little bit. Bruce Wayne also looked like uh, Gregory Peck a little bit in certain oh, scenes. Yeah. What's interesting is after this book was written in 96, for the most part, the DC Pride in New 52, they would slowly inch towards this kingdom come future. People would use their designs. People would steal little character moments. Red Robin. Red Robin. Yeah. Why like did uh, Superman's things. logo get black in the regular DCU? That was because of a story crossover called Our Worlds at War back in, like, 2002. His father died, Pa Kent, quote-unquote, died. Spoilers. And as a way of <laughs> openly mourning his father, as well as all the people who died, he took on that black logo. That's a hot logo, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I loved his uh, outfit in Kingdom Come. Even yeah. in this high-water... Uh, wrestling pants that he had up to his belly button. I thought that looked pretty great. Now this it, is this was so good. It makes me want to go back and reread Jeff Johns' JSA, where he brought this Superman drink. into the JSA, so he could kind of do a sequel to Kingdom Come. Is that JSA the Kingdom? Yes. Hmm. Comicsology dot com. Check it out. Um, I, I admittedly, like, this book kind of re-energized me for Alex Ross art. Like, when you go to a con and you see prints or original art from Alex Ross, it's kind of like, I kind of got the feeling, it's like, oh, there's Alex Ross art again, you know, like, blah. But He did, like, every it, wizard cover for, like, four years straight, it feels like. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it, but but rereading this book, I'm like, GD, I want a piece of Alex Ross art on my wall. Like, I, like Superman just looked amazing, it, even though, like... You know, he has this way of uh, making, like, Superman's cloth suit look like a cloth suit. But it just looks amazing. Like, he just fills it out like a like a son of a bee. You know what I want? I want that print that we put up on the uh, website today for the uh, preview, where he's got his arms crossed in front of him. Oh, yeah. my God, that picture is stunning. Stunning. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Tartan gonna read them to you. to you. Letters at paperkeg.com 
uh, you email us, we will read it on the show. Maybe. Uh, what what did we get this week, Mark? We got a couple. First one up is from Shali. Says, listen to the show and enjoyed it. Didn't realize there was an adult Marvel line, which you guys managed to cover delicately enough. Based on Dale's assessment of the Flash comic, I will avoid that like the plague. <laughs> also, I am finding that episodes minus Mark are entertaining in the ways Mark is lambaster for not being there. Mm. Side note, Shali, there will be more. Stay tuned. Great letter from oh, the person okay. battling cancer. I disagree with Jonesy. Cancer is worse than slim. Shally. <laughs> uh, my favorite line of that email was, I disagree with Jonesy. You had me in a cold sweat all day by posting <laughs> that tweet. You realize that, don't you? Got you. Got you again. Charlie. You know, me and, me and him, we, we're on the same wavelength about a lot of things. You know, whether it be the indoctrination yeah. that's happening... In some areas of our country, or just how we view life, liberties, etc. Mm-hmm. Retweets. No, I muted his. Meaning muted he mindlessly agrees. With, <laughs> meaningless, meaning he mindlessly agrees with everything you say. <laughs> Mark, people make their own decisions based on informed uh, studies, and I applaud right. him for that. Right. 2013. I want to see slim hate mail. It's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> Next one up is from Don Garvey, who's trying to make this quick. My entire family was down for the count over Christmas, sick as dogs. Christmas Eve, the missus is in bed, and I had to be Santa all by myself. Could have been a pretty depressing situation, but I had three quarters of a new keg episode to keep me company. It's hard to put it into words, but I'll probably remember spending Christmas Eve with Slim, Jonesy, and Dale forever. A paper keg Christmas miracle. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know that Don Garvey does his own show. I think he does like eight episodes a week. It's called Echo Rift, Radio Free Echo Rift. They're probably posting an episode right now, no matter Twice what day it is. Sundays. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, they talk about some pop culture things. Uh, mm-hmm. They're contrary. Don, Be warned. Don Garvey designed our current logo. Uh, if you don't like Smoker's Wheeze, stay away from this podcast. <laughs> Jeez. I had a I had a champ- That's like a backhanded compliment. I had a champagne glass in the kitchen one day. I was listening to the podcast and it disintegrated after he coughed. <laughs> <laughs> Good show though. Good show. Oh god. Last and certainly not least from Dragonfro. Kingdom Come is a book I get out of the archives and read every year. Love the story and Ross's art is fantastic. Even enjoyed the tie-in that was done a few years back in issues of JSA after all the crisis stuff. Funny fact Ross modeled no Ross modeled Magog after Liefeld's art style as a joke, not an homage. Rob loved it. Hashtag Rob's garbage. Read that in an old issue of Wizard. Happy holidays from Dragonfro. <laughs> Love that Wizard. Awesome. Love Wizard. Loves me some Dragonfro. Love Dragonfro. Dragonfro dot com. I think maybe. That was it. That was you all the letters, huh? I remember yeah, last. So I don't know what got. happened last show, but we ran out of the sounder. The last week's show was like eight hours long. I think. Can anyone confirm yeah. that? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, seven hours, fifty nine minutes. Uh, what a show, huh? This one felt. This one felt pretty good. Mm, it did feel good. I kingdom came in the wind column. <laughs> oh my word! That's ah, you're not. Uh, well, if know. you would have said it, it would have been comedy gold. But I, <laughs> I was, said it. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a J bag. I was just getting ready to say I think Mark Wade's going to love this episode, but now I don't know. <laughs> Will Mark Wade hear this episode? Stay tuned. 
Dale will make sure it happens. Don't worry. I love you, Mark. You're my favorite writer. Thanks for signing my books. <laughs> listen. Uh, Mark also thinks uh, your girlfriend is hot, Mark Wade. So be on the lookout for a laboring black man running a triathlon, laboring towards <laughs> you at warp speed. Uh, sign my book, Mark. Sign my book. We'll see everybody next week. So just uh, just in hot over the wire, Mark just read the tweet I sent him at one o'clock this afternoon. Editor's note: There was no app mention of me. I was done intentionally, friend. Congratulations, you have sussed out. I don't use Twitter. In other news, water is wet. <laughs> what was well, Jesse? Why were you waving your microphone near your armpit during half of the show? What was happening? There? I just because my my pale Irish fat guy arm is messing with the uh, the filter because it's so white. Like ebony and ivory, my blackness is together in perfect harmony. Did we have any rebuttals? I think you rebutted something. Mm. I talked about a Nintendo Power comic. Jonesy talked about Arrow. Arrow, garbage. Do you still watch the show? Show is great. I heard the Huntress episode the show was pretty great. piss poor. The both episodes of uh, featuring the Huntress were terrible, but it bounced back afterwards. Justin, the show's not great. Justin, <laughs> I feel as though the show Jonesy is just a talks himself. The talks show's himself like a, a beneficiary of low expectations. I I agree. I think if you went in thinking it was going to suck because it was CW uh, CW uh, DC property, you would have been pleasantly surprised. How great was Cap's beard in Cap Two, Dale? Let's talk about it. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that. <laughs> I yeah, it was so. I actually absolutely have no problem that it just like immediately zipped to one year later. Like I thought it was the coolest thing because then he could uh, talk about his last year in uh, in inner monologue and stuff. His mm-hmm. hair, Jr. Jr. Like I don't know. I just uh, love it. Jr. Jr. Plus Jansen is the best Jr. Jr. You can get ever. And he's so, like his gloved hand. He's like got all this padding on his oh, hand. And he's yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Mm. So Dale, as a guy who was getting ready to drop Cap after issue number one, I should try number two. Yeah, I think. Well, I why mean, would you want to drop Cap after number one? What's wrong with it? Did you listen to his lightning round? I did, but I kind of wanted to hear more of an elaborate I, explanation. Well, I think a lot of people are caught off guard that you know this isn't Brubaker's Cap. Like it's not. He's Good. not running. He's not running espionage and you know and foiling like terrorist threats in the city like this is a totally different cap and if it's not your thing it's not your thing if i see one more flashback of cap jumping over a car with bucky in black and white i'm gonna s in my pants and throw it at the writer 
Or I mean, riding it, on top of a train. It's I feel been, like they ride on top of It's been done for like the past however long Brubaker's been on the title. This is like totally, like Dale said, it's totally different than all the other cat books. That's why it's so good. It, it, yeah, and it's, I, if you had an, if you remotely had an, a little inkling of a like of number one, number two, I think, just makes it, makes Captain America as a character that much cooler, stuck in this Dimension Z and... He's stuck out in the wilderness trying to survive and protect this kid. And it's cooler because the kid's a little older. So, um, you know, it's like this fatherly kind of overprotect. He's Captain America. He's not going to let anything happen to this this toddler. Um, but, the, you know, and obviously it's it's issue two. So he had more, Remendo had more time to just expand upon the character and the setting and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm glad... I, I'm I'm in after issue two. I'm definitely in, and uh, I should probably thank the ultra high rate shipping schedule. I actually think Captain America was was pretty normalized, but mm-hmm. I just haven't had a chance to think about what now books I'm keeping or and or dropping. Um, but I think I'm going to start picking up Captain America monthly. I didn't do that with Brubaker's run, but. This one I'm I'm definitely in. I I'm actually, in the Brubaker ba- or yeah Brubaker uh, Brubaker Cap run is actually one that I have almost the first few years of his run in my long box and I just forget buying it. There was a that was like I was like Dale when I was younger. I just bought it to collect. Yeah, and you never, never read it. Yeah, and eventually Slim, I just stopped. Was he writing it right after nine eleven? Also, no, he wasn't. No, who, the nine eleven was run? John Ray Niebuhr. And John Cassidy, John Cassidy, which is a, right. one of the best Caprons ever. They're I know, short I had that stint. in floppies. It was yeah. super short. I don't know why. I think I remember reading Wizard. I, we've mentioned Wizard drink every time we mention Wizard this episode. Where I think there was Finish some your drink editorial right, issues right that uh, pushed him out of the book. But that was I that Cassidy run. It was when after nine eleven, Cap had enough and he like revealed his identity to the world, and then went to fight. The Al Qaeda ripoff in the book, which they didn't call Al Tariq. Al Tariq. So he just like went into their like huts and just started like taking them out, pulling them out. Yeah, and it was them up. oh god. The covers of that run were amazing, and then I think it only let their run only lasted like ten issues, and then they got off. Was John Cassidy the one who gave Cap chainmail armor? He no, he I think drew that was around long before that. He just drew like every piece. Extensively, like it, it looked like I don't know, like poker chips, pretty much. So, Dale, I was wondering from a status update of your quest to read every Marvel Now title thus far, what has been your favorite number, like one issue, one title that you're going to take away and never let go? What would that be thus far? Ooh, that's a that's a pretty good question there, Marky. Uh, let me find out what. Let me let me look here real quick. I think. It would probably be have to be something expected. Um, Is it by Kieran Gillen? <laughs> uh, Liquid armor, <laughs> garbage. Those covers, yeah, those, like, those covers are so bizarre to that Iron Man series. I don't even understand it. He looks schwult. Um, schwult. You got it. Schwult. Say it one more time. You got it. No. <laughs> Uh, th- this over the wire. This is for the uh, for the live viewing audience. Mandy Boo just texted me and said, "If I don't say Hawkeye, she'll kill me." Love, um, <laughs> love me some Hawkeye. Um, I will. I will. I would go Hawkeye. Technically, I uh, that wins by 
by super secret special win column edition, but technically that wasn't part of the original Marvel Now initiative. So Hawkeye, and then I'd probably go all new X Men. Yeah, because all new that's X-Men just really is good. Pretty great. Yeah, it is. It's pretty freaking good. What's up, Boo? The Hawkeye is incredible. You know what? I got to tell you, issues four and five, the tape, and then issue six, a day in the life of of Hawkeye. Some of the best comics I read in 2012. Mm-hmm. I hope more yeah. people Those buy it. Three issues. Yeah, hopefully, is it not doing well? I don't. I have no idea, but I hope a lot of people are buying it. I could see it not doing well only because it's an offbeat superhero book. But that's. I think that's its appeal. This will probably do great in trades. In trades I could see this turning people off. It's crazy because it's like this year's Daredevil, pretty much. But yeah. it's not. It just maybe isn't getting the same buzz. Like it's get well. I think it's getting the same buzz, but it's all by the f- people that we surround ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So right, obviously they're going to buzz about it. That I wonder, first issue was so charming. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it charmed the pants off of me. You can yeah. you know. I read Hawkeye in the tub with the uh, the bubble bath, <laughs> with my glass of uh, Chardonnay. Oof. But also, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that because I could say Thor too. You Thor, know. Thor, um, the, the Josie would uh, Josie would have a heart attack and. No, no, no! You guys should tell me. You should guys. You know what we should do again? Tell me about how you discover this brand new book called Thor. No one's ever heard about, and about how good it is. And ask me if I've ever read Thor before. Hey, jerks. It's getting heated. It's getting heated right now. Jerk jeans. Um <laughs> I think that was all that was all I had. Or we haven't talked about the next book club though. Can it be Busick's Iron Man? Stop. No. <laughs> you you are just meta trolling me right now. Does anybody have the Google Doc up? Let's just should we just can it? Have it open. Let's, should we just talk about it later? We're at we're at an hour and ten. I want to kinda keep this one shorter than uh than the than the, the epic episode from last week. It was epic, wasn't that it? That was a great ep- that might have been our greatest episode. Mark, I still love you. Outside of these passive aggressive comments from these two, <laughs> hey, you can't win them all. What can I say? It's inappropriate, and we'll start our own show together. Concrete. Let's next week's concrete. episode could concrete. be even better, though. Concrete. Your next week could be a phenomenal show. Oh, because what a because you'll be off again. Yeah, that's right. Bahamas. Oh, oh yeah. Are you in the Bahamas next week? Absolutely. That didn't come across my desk, Mark. I didn't put it on Twitter or any social media. <laughs> or text anybody or respond to any text that do you. I get it. Jody half dead on the couch. <laughs> can't even move his head. He's not Jonesy even moving his head anymore. Jody loves self over here. Come on. You just see his beady little pupils under his heavy <laughs> eyelids. I still love you. That, at All least right. somebody does. I still love you. Rub that belly. Concrete. Concrete. Sounds good. Let's do it. Swollen concrete. All concrete right. it is. I'm writing it down. Someone send a, an invite. The decision itself is concrete. And uh, whoever sends the invite, make that alert a day before too. I like those day before alerts. Right. I didn't get. I didn't, get, I didn't like get one today, today or yesterday, and it freaked me out. No, Jonesy's got a point. Don't you send them out? I didn't send the last one out. How about Jonesy texting us at like eight a.m. freaking out about the book, <laughs> and then we didn't respond for like twenty minutes, so he sent two more texts. This group iMessage. One more text. What do you do? What do you do text. in the morning? What, what, what's what's your morning routine like? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I, don't know, I, I get up with the baby, and then you know I uh, I go to work. Like and, in that, sp- uh, you know, in that span of twenty minutes, he sends like a cackling, maniacal <laughs> laugh text, like almost like. 
we decided to not do the show the next day, and we didn't tell Jonesy yet. Like the show is the show canceled, guys? I mean, no, I haven't heard back yet in twenty minutes. Yeah, the other I think his, okay. his one of his texts was guys question mark question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're literally purposefully ignoring him, thus jeopardizing the entire show that At evening. 8:30 For in the, the morning. record, you two would send email chains to each other. Five fifteen in the morning, fifteen deep, and the last five emails will be like, "I guess those guys are being slackers and sleeping in. They have no desire to, to email us back." Isn't that right, Slim? Man, yeah, you're right, Dale. Those guys really do suck. So eat it. He's got a point E-A-D on that. Deal on that. He's. That's I mean, it's bad. not our fault that's that you guys bad. are awful at communication in general. Email, text, you name it. It's a, you're, you're disrespecting me or him. Don't lump both me in you. with this guy. Both no, of you. no, 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 no. Let's talk about communication. All I need is who, what, where, when, why. Mark. Thursday, the twenty fourth. We're gonna read Cocktails. this at this time. Cocktails. I'm done. I'm good. I, I told. I don't know who That's I told. I, I I had to Facebook what, message. Where, when, why? I had to Facebook message uh, Mark one day one day for some reason, and I got a response in literally <laughs> seconds before I even locked my <laughs> iPhone. It was the fastest <laughs> communique I'd ever gotten from Mark Farrington <laughs> in history. Was this the white elephant stuff or it prior? Might, it might have been. I mean, and you could see with the Facebook app is so creepy that you can see when people read it instantly. So I t- I sent it and it's like check mark Farrington. <laughs> it was like Mark has like nine mobile devices open on his desk. So he he just like swings the swings around like Minority Report reading these Facebook posts. <laughs> he actually has an intern that just stands next to his desk with his laptop open. His agent for his Yes Hello gig. Yeah, when's the next, game when's the the next uh, Yes Hello gig, and why aren't we invited? Here's a game for the fans. What's a surefire way to extend an episode after Slim says we're wrapping it up soon? <laughs> we start insulting one another. <laughs> and this is, actually, this is actually pretty tame compared to what do we say to each other off the record. Johnny Zito loves it. Johnny Zito loves the show. We love Johnny Zito. We're going to have to have that guy on one day. Schedule that. Let me know uh, when to show up. Oh, wait, real quick. Before I forget, Forget shout out to Ramsden. He shot me a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 6625. So seriously, thank you. (laughs) Yes. Appreciate that. Guy's got taste. Ramsden on the Twitter. Check him out. He's running. You know, you should get some triathlon Ironman advice from him. That guy's a a model athlete. You know, the second this episode posts, I'm going to get pictures from Catcher of me being cock diesel and schwole. (laughs) 